0: You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we have a special guest who is the chief social responsibility officer at the YMCA of Greater Charlotte. Now, as a YMCA um, uh, member, I love the YMCA. But I think a lot of people look at the YMCA and they think it's a gym. You know, it's a place to go work out but Michael's going to join us on the podcast today to talk a little bit more about what the YMCA means, what the YMCA is about, what are they trying to do in areas and neighborhoods around Charlotte to truly make an impact and make it more than just a fitness center and really show you what the YMCA is all about and the history behind it. So we're fascinated to learn really the inside of uh, of the YMCA, what you guys are doing to make this a better community. As a member, I'm so excited to learn more about how we can get involved, but ultimately learn your story, Michael, and uh and hopefully Get more people excited about not only joining the YMCA, but getting involved, donating their time and supporting this, uh, this great community that we all call home. So thank you, Michael, and welcome to the Brand Builders Podcast.
1: Hey, so
0: excited to be here. Look at that intro. And Good morning, Michael. Thank you again, buddy. So how is the YMCA, you know, how is it uniquely positioned in our community to bring diverse groups of people together?
1: So I think if you go back in our history, we're 175 years old. I think people don't know that. That's crazy. Uh, We are a 501c3. People don't know that. Sometimes they only know the gyms and the retail. But our uh, key is we are we have 21 locations. We serve uh, annually somewhere around 300,000 people. Uh, We have two resident camps, uh, one north, one south, uh, Camp Thunderbird, Camp Harrison. And, you know, you think about those 300,000 people and who comes in and out, uh, Dowd, why down the street. Uh, just celebrated its millionth swipe this year. Wow. One million swipes. So I think if you think, you know, who we are and what we do, I think people often forget that we're here to help solve community problems. And um we are uh, a neighborhood organization because essentially if you go with uh, 12 locations inside Mecklenburg County, we're in four counties, um, we're pretty much in proximity to everything. And, you know, it's also a world platform, not just a local platform because we're in 120 countries. There's 870 live wise coast-to-coast, uh, coast, 2,700 branches. So it's not just Charlotte. We could, we could do it in Seattle, Washington, if you want us to.
0: So, and now, are, are there people in your position in each of these areas across the country and across the world? So I'm
1: in a fairly unique position. Uh, there are probably about nine of us uh, who are in the role um, uh, together. Uh, there are probably nine of us uh, in that kind of particular role, and then there's hybrids of people doing that responsibility. So let me, let me break it down, because a lot of people don't think what, what, what social responsibility is. So there's three focus areas. Youth development, healthy living, social responsibility. A lot of people know it's for the youth development. A lot of people know it's for the healthy living. Sometimes they don't know it's for the social responsibility. So my job in particular, uh, would be to, to use the community data to actually take on some of the toughest challenges. Uh, so one of my roles would be partnerships and the collective impact, so how are we measuring where kids or families or individuals are and then how do we know they got better. Um, to take on all the diversity, inclusion, global work, so we do a lot of equipping of our teams and our volunteers around uh, increasing their cultural competence. We also partner with YMCA's in Senegal, West Africa. Uh, so they come here, we go there, we have a trip next year, they just left here uh, in October. Uh, and we've been helping them develop, uh, we share knowledge, but helping them develop sort of a community health, uh, education strategy. A lot of times in these developing countries, uh, they're not public schools. So WISE often take on the charter-like school. Uh, so the WISE in Senegal have been developing charter schools and we've been supporting that. Uh, volunteering and community engagement, which essentially, uh, is, uh, we're trying to mechanize and get back to, we think volunteers are the way back to a, or civil society, you know, you got to bring people proximate to the problem, help them understand the problem, and then help other people solve their own problem. That's what's sustainable. And then the last piece I have is all the advocacy work. So people don't realize we have people in D.C., we have Raleigh. And so we're also looking at policy and systems. Uh, so one example would be there's, uh, we're about to launch the My Brother's Keeper strategy, which is to serve uh, boys of color in Charlotte, if you look at all the data and you think about the the 50 out of 50, um, the practical way is you have to look at the, you know, if this is a business and you were looking at how to solve a, um, uh, one of the greatest challenges, the greatest challenge we have uh, as an African-American male, I can tell you, is uh, boys, uh, black and brown boys. We're not reading and we're not necessarily in the system. So we're having trouble uh, in many communities. It's, it's indicative of why we would be 50 out of 50. So if we don't solve that problem. We don't actually solve the community problem.
0: That's a great point. And we uh, we had uh, an organization that we have partnered up with recently um, just based on them having or coming on our podcast, which is YBLA. And yeah. uh, John and Tammy Martin, uh, amazing. And, and it was so interesting to hear that story and understand what his true passion was and going away from corporate America and going to support the young African-American men in this area. Yeah. And then that's then kind of springboarded into the girls side of it, which they've like doubled the guys now. Um, but that's fascinating. It's cool that we have organizations that are teaming up and doing that. And people are, are not only creating that type of organization, but finding out what they're passionate about and understanding like we need to change that stigma. We need to change the, the divide and understand that no matter what color you are, you need that opportunity. You need a place to call home and you need that encouragement from people that, you know, maybe have been successful or people that understand how hard it is to get to where they are. So,
1: well, here's I think the challenge we'll have in Charlotte. People don't really, really remember this. In twenty ten, we became a minority majority region. So actually I think the latest data point is sixty-two percent of the people who are here are non-white. Uh the fastest rising would be Asian, broadly, more specifically Asian Indian, uh and Latinos. So the question will be is how are we engaging those new communities? It's youngly young um largely young, very mosaic of people come into town. Uh, and I think our conscious young people are going to drive. They're going to be the change makers for what Charlotte looks like. You know we're a very pretentious city. So while we're beautiful, uh, when you look, the skyline is gorgeous. Uh, there are some problems underneath. So when we look, uh, get to that 50 out of 50, what we, the wise job is to, uh, in fact, our vision statement is to be the catalyst to transform, help people transform lives and communities, right? So you got to bring people proximate. And what we would tell you is you got to equip people. Is just because I want to bring you closer doesn't necessarily mean you understand that neighborhood, so our job is you take all those locations right we want to cross fertilize people want to get people in and we want to ignite young professionals and call out problems that are real problems and not uh lose sight. It's a polarized world, uh and oftentimes Charlotte can be very you have to be careful because we can be polarized on religion, sure right I mean we you know you just think if if you were a Faith believer, you know, you think about Jesus in the center, and then there are folks that left the center, and there are people right in the center. We got that here in Charlotte. So to me, we're at the epicenter of all the tension. The world tension is actually right here. You think about being a more, more minorities in town, that changes us dramatically. Uh, we need to understand all those cultures uh, who are coming. Uh You think about big corporations who are here. You think about we're last of the 50 out of 50 cities to get kids out of, and families out of economic mobility, right? Poverty, uh, to get to economic mobility. Those are all at the center. And then we have this RNC coming in 2020. Uh, and it doesn't matter your politics, you just have to, the question is how do we engage one another and bring people back to a more civil society and help people remember they are the eco in the system. Like not, nothing Good changes point. unless we change.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and we uh, are the change that's right well We're I'm part uh, of, it. I'm, I'm part part of it. the
1: ecosystem yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: we all are so you you've been with the YMCA for over 35 years yes. uh, maybe even more than that um, 36 36 years yeah. so that's amazing and you don't see people um I'm, I'm, that's older than me you know so literally my entire lifetime you've been with the YMCA um what is a it had to be a very it has to be a very rewarding organization but what has been your experience and what has been the most rewarding and really what has kept you at the YMCA and drives you on a daily basis?
1: So I've been with the Y 36 years and i people don't remember this, but I'm 58. So I'm, I was born in 1961. And uh, at that time there were black Y's and white Y's. So I, I actually grew up in a black Y hmm. and in 1968, they began to merge. I'm from Evanston, Illinois. So uh, they began to merge. I, I think what, We we are starting to do is to try to correct and take people back to the beginning of who we were, and not to remember just the last thirty four years. So who I have been over time is this person who's been inspired. So this is what I like to always tell people at thirty six years. You could just tell truth at thirty six (laughs)
0: years, (laughs) fifty eight. You know you don't really care. It's like this is the way it is. But I tell people you know
1: I I don't I I usually don't consider myself working for the why. I actually consider myself working for community right the why is a mechanism for me and we have to remember we don't want to lose sight of your personal brand i know I'm in a brand conversation you have a brand and so your job is to basically align your brand with the organization or institution that you're with and when that's not authentic uh uh it it provides restlessness inside you and mm-hmm. so i always tell people don't lose yourself in the organization right find yourself in the organization so i've been able to do things over a thirty six year period that generally i've evolved and and been leading on the change, and so this notion of being a social responsibility officer, people would ask what that was well i didn't the, the organization allowed me to just transform that job and adapt that job continuously right it 's uh, at the heart of innovation, so the things that you give up right are the things that you put time into and so i 've always tried to say i did that i don 't want to do that anymore mm-hmm. i 'd rather do this, so I want to release that twenty percent and take this and do something different. And I think if you are paying attention to all the data and the information that is happening around the community and just commoditizing it to a certain extent, I would say I've just, what inspires me in the organization is I always can lean in forward uh, on that. And I don't also always know where I'm going. Uh, Sometimes I just have to surround myself with really good people and they tell me, you know, teach me how to do it,
0: innovation. And you bring up a, a good point there where you lean on others, but you have the opportunity to take a step and, and, and challenge yourself, but challenge the community. And I love that you said that you use the YMCA as a platform. That's, that's not necessarily a job. Your job is for the community. I think if more people had that mindset, uh, not only would they, would they help grow their own personal brand, but it would be a better community overall. You know, like what is your first job? It should be to support the people around you, support your community. It's not that you work for a specific company. So I loved how you phrased that. Um, so thank you for doing that. I want to bring up a really cool um, experience and and something that you were recognized by. In 2014, you were recognized uh, by the White House as a champion of change. Uh, Tell us, what was that like? Uh, Did you get to meet the president? And how cool is it to be recognized nationally for something that you've done? But ultimately, tell me, what was that award and what did that mean to you?
1: Yeah, so it really is a combination of the things that we have talked about. The Obama uh, presidency recognized me and... I think it was fourteen others at that uh, event. He was not there. I did get a handwritten letter though. Nice um, from him. A very nice handwritten letter. Uh, I, I'm uh, the the best thing about. I have two boys, so the best thing about that on one on one hand is my oldest son went with me, and we were uh, we got a little quick tour of the White House. It happened to be that um, Obama's floor leader for the Senate uh, uh, is from Evanston, from the town I'm from, and we got a little quick tour of the White House too. Very cool. We were. Ten steps from the Oval Office, and POTUS was taken off on a uh, helicopter to go to w- Wisconsin that day. And I remember looking outside, and uh, or not outside, but inside, and watching doors open with guys coming out with machine guns and bulletproof vests from nowhere. <laughs> and I said to this guy, John Sanders, "Okay, so what would you do?" He said. You should keep walking and you should just follow me.
0: You're in the, safe, in the safest place yeah. in America. And I was like, all right, because,
1: man, where are these dudes coming from, man? But Because POTUS was taken off, they all take a position, I guess. Yeah. And I did not realize, but, you know, in that White House, man, there are doors. that just are like invisible doors. And like a painting would slide out and a person would come out with guns. Uh, so That's I, wild. I would say the best thing is my son was with me, which was pretty cool. Uh, but it's it's it was to acknowledge the fact that uh, the the Y acknowledged me that I was a person who leaned into the change, and we're we're known a lot as uh, an organization, uh, particularly Charlotte, uh, for leading out on the diversity inclusion work, and then the global work. So I've been to about fifteen sixteen countries through the Y, and that that notion of trying to make change and to find new ways uh, in other countries, and then bring those new ways to our country to sort of evolve things and then vice versa. So it was an honor. Um, I got a great letter. Uh, I didn't meet the president, but it is. Uh, and then I met some other great people from around the country who, who do some of that same work, yeah.
0: So obviously you're receiving results from all your hard work. It keeps you encouraged, and you know what you're doing is making an impact, right? Like, well, I hang is around, that what I, keeps you moving, man? Well, like, I hang
1: around good, <laughs> good. You know what it is? I hang around good people who yeah. are usually on the edge of um, uh, innovation and truth. Uh and that keeps me whole. I got a beautiful wife. Uh, as I always say to people, you know, she completes me. Eighty percent of who I am, that's who I am. y'all, y'all checked out the outfit today. She's the twenty percent. I'm 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 the eighty. Um, <laughs> you did a great job. You did a great yeah, job. Yeah. She she changed the shoes. Um uh but here's what I say to people that I've learned over time is privilege, privilege can be toxic, even poisonous if you don't give it away. And sure. so what I've learned is I gotta keep giving it away and then it comes kind of comes back threefold. And I don't try to hold on to anything. Like the advantage is really important. Uh, I would say that's part of what's problem problematic today. Sometimes you know you look at uh, who we are and the icons, the leaders. I think they're trying to hold on to the advantage, to the privilege. And you just got to keep giving it away because it's not yours to begin with. Um, sure. And I just have never met when you do that. I've never met an opportunity that isn't going to be innovated. I may be at the beginning of the innovation, but it may be everybody else who took off. And I just was following at some point in time. Sometimes I get the credit because of the role, but, uh, I work with a lot of good people. Uh, I've surrounded myself with really loving, kind people who are not, uh, who I try not to judge, who they try not to judge and I try not to judge. I think that's, that's, you know, your brand, as I always tell people, you're, you have to remember who you are and you have to acculturate that into the marketplace. You don't lose it, right? You acculturate it. And if you're really good, right, the brand evolves. It doesn't stay static. There's a core of me of who I am when I was 5, 10, 20, 30, 40. But I'm, uh, hopefully I'm a refined Mike Duvall. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I hope I'm not a static Mike Duvall. Yeah. And I, you know, as I say to my boys, you know, I will, I will always be wiser. You will always be smarter. There's a difference between the two. So I don't, I don't try to outsmart people. Uh, but I've been down that path and I've fallen in that hole. And I'm gonna tell you, there's a hole down there. But if you wanna go there, I'm ride or die with more people. And I don't mind, uh, taking the ride, the journey. Yeah. That's
0: awesome. So I'm a member of, uh, Harris Y and, um, Daniel, who works there. Every morning I go in and work out. Uh, not every morning, but most mornings I go in and work out. And Daniel knows me by name. And I have no idea how he does it. Um, but it's the most amazing feeling. Um, and, and that's a really cool thing, but let's put it this way. I've never really volunteered or donated my time at the YMCA. I was just recently part of a, uh, a study that the YMCA did and over 50% of members have never either financially donated or have given time, uh, from a, uh, a donation standpoint or, or from a charity standpoint. What is some, some things that Charlotte, not a, even if you're a member or not a member, what are some action items that you would challenge the listeners to support The youth development, healthy living, and the social responsibility. What are things that we can be doing in our community to really support what you're doing in the community and make, not only, I don't want to say make your job easier, because that's not really what we're trying to do, but how can we make this a better place to live for everybody, whether you're white, black, Asian, doesn't matter. What are some of the action items that you, that you think that we need to be able to do as a city.
1: Yeah, let me say two things. Cause I'm an African American male, and I just want to say this, cause I would like to say, to my wife is white, so I, I love white people, and in fact, I'm in love with one. But, <laughs> uh, and my wife is Jewish, mm-hmm. so people, and I'm, I'm a Christ follower, and so people say, how does that work? And I say, um, you know, she generally believes in that front half of the Bible, right? And I believe in the front and the back, and I kind of leave her at Malachi
0: 4-6. <laughs> <laughs> and I, try like to, 80/20 I try to, rule, but, yeah. Yeah, I try to hold her on, you know, try to bring her over, but you know,
1: Malachi 4-6 is parents should love the children, children should love the parents, She'll also be a wicked curse. I always say that's a good place to leave her. Um, <laughs> but, but I say that in all, you know, candor. I think that is, uh, we need to be all first, take care of your own house. Uh, well. I would say to people, if you don't get your own house right, you can't go out here talking to other people or trying to get their
0: house Amen. Right.
1: Uh, uh, so a your family is going to be really important. And if everybody did our job in that particular right, then you extend your family, the people that you hang around with, uh, here listen to them with uh, love and kindness. Uh, but also in Charlotte, you have to get yourself more aware, more conscious. There are problems, challenges, opportunities that we need to know about in Charlotte. And oftentimes we go with an empty vessel to serve without understanding, mm-hmm. and then we end up thinking we're saving people when people save themselves. So. One is, I would say, get more consciousness, right? There are lots of things that you can be doing. Certainly the why we would say largely things like third grade reading are really important. We have a third grade reading program and that is so paramount. Only 39% of uh, third graders are reading at grade level uh, in the Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. So therefore, obviously 60% of the people are not. Uh, If you disaggregate that data, you can be really clear on the neighborhoods and the places where it's happening. So third grade reading is really important to us. And people don't realize you have to learn to read and then read to learn. So math doesn't come alive in fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. If you can't read, which is essentially what ends up having people go into less poverty or less economic mobility, right? Cause if you can't read, you can't work. Mm-hmm. And as I say to people, you want people, you want people either making or taking taxes, right? They can't make it. They can't work. <laughs> if you can't That's read right. hard to work, mm-hmm. it's pretty simple. Uh, so volunteering, get yourself conscious. Uh, I'd say reading, and we're one organization. I go anywhere you want to read. Uh, I'd get more involved in our government institutions. I think we need more fresh water in those places. And sometimes you don't have to be a politician. You can get on a committee. Uh, but you should also go and listen and hear what's happening on those commissions. Our city is changing really rapidly, and we can't leave, uh, those that are low income behind, uh, and they are homeless uh so we don't we need to not get caught up in the infrastructure problem right you got to what are the policies and the systems um i would say then also teens cuz there's a large uh, teen problem in this town uh, we've got to get more teens at the center of of change to be the change makers uh, and use their voices <laughs> to to create the change and or some of our young professionals uh you know we also are very lean, very hard um, on young professionals um And part of it is because we think the change is actually inside them. And guys like me, while I'm hope I'm innovative and creative, uh, I'm never going to be as creative as our young people. And I won't see things with fresh eyes, uh, the way they would. Uh, so looking at a problem, our blood in the water is we have a tendency to go with the people who used to make decisions 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And you got to get into the volunteerism mode because we need fresh water. And I don't, I don't believe in draining. Anything quick, right? So whether you drain in the swamp or whatever you do. <laughs> I think it's important to pull the drain, but you gotta put fresh water in it, right? So the blood goes out slowly and the fresh water comes in and takes a new life. Uh and Charlotte underneath it, all of the beauty uh, the wonderful we love the city, we've been in twenty years. But we have to get people volunteering to understand the policies and the systems and to lead the change on making Charlotte that work less city.
0: I love that. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, just getting out, get, get, be, be conscious, do something. And it doesn't have to necessarily be with the YMCA. A group that we had on, and, and I'd go back to this is called Share Charlotte. Oh, yeah. An amazing, um, organization. If you haven't, checked which one them did out, you have?
1: Uh, we had yeah, Amy and Julie?
0: Yeah. 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 And we
1: had a lot um, of energy there. We know lot, them well.
0: Yeah. They're great. And it's, and it's like, what an awesome concept. Like we're going to create a, a place where every, nonprofit or majority of nonprofits in, in Charlotte can, can get their information out there and you can go on their website and find out what you're passionate about. You know, if there's something that you think you can help out, go on there and check it out. Like there literally is a, is a nonprofit for anything and everything out there. Find something you're passionate about and do it, you know? So I love that you were, were kind of challenging us there to, to be aware, but also to get out and do something. Um, so thank you for, for that. Yeah. Let
1: me say one thing because yeah. we've been pushing this with share. Share has been a pretty critical part of it partner with us. And I would say the other thing that is so important for Charlotte to understand is we can't get there on our own. So you have to learn how to collaborate. That's why consciousness is so important because if you just do it on your own, right, you generally are going to have pretty limited conversation. So we've been partnering with Share a lot. And one of the things that we've been pushing is this notion of uh, the word belonging, right? Belonging. People for belonging. Yeah. You, you want to provide people with a, a sense of place, and a sense of home and a sense of self, right? That's that's rooted in belonging. And so one of the things we always tell people is belonging is the currency of social capital. So until, until, Scott, I'm talking to you and I hear you and I might sense something that you have trepidation around or some pain around, I need to embrace the pain. I need to say to you, Scott, listen, until you're liberated, brother, I'm not liberated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you get liberated, I get liberated. And I think we really need to understand that liberation is what we're seeking. Uh, the tax system actually is, you know, you think about it. right? The tax system is actually designed that way. We give up money so that other people can, can have better, right? They use the source called taxes to distribute, right? The problem we have had, and this is just a visual for Charlotte and a visual for how we use taxes. Sometimes we don't always uh, understand the importance of the people we elect. Their job was actually to allocate the resources differently so that we can help solve the problem. And so our investment in government, our investment is an investment in each other. And oftentimes we just give money blindly. And all I would say to people and volunteers and as we've been working with SHARE is you need to do that with a sense of belonging. If you understand your community better then what you will be in service to is wherever you go, you will allocate the resources differently, you will have more pure intent, and you will have armed yourself to embrace the people that you don't know. That is what's so important. And we've been doing a lot of that with Cher, Charlotte. And so I know Julie and Amy and uh, their crew very well. Yeah.
0: Uh, that's that's amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, I want to go into something that you just said about taking care of your own home. I, I think a lot of people in in society now look at this, you know, whether it's the president or whether it's the the, the United States, right, as a whole, and not focusing on their neighborhood, not focusing on their home. What are action items that people need to be doing on a local level? Because some people look at politics like, well, I don't want to get in politics. or I don't want to talk about politics or I'm not going to run for office. But you mentioned getting on boards, getting on uh, or getting in, involved in the community. Like how what are somebody what is something somebody can do today uh to make them and make a change? Because I, it's so fascinating what you just said, how you have to allocate resources differently. Like that makes my mind think. Completely differently. It's like you're not elected to go in and just do the same thing. You're elected to go in there, and how can we do it better? So what can we do from a local standpoint and to get involved in that?
1: So let me go high level and then back down. So, yeah, think about it, right? We don't really always know. So the localized way of that would be there's – so in this 50 out of 50 and how we were, there's a guy named Raj Chetty who did this study. And I just – broadly, people don't know what the 50 out of 50 is, right? He went back to look, Do we win the war on poverty? And then he took all of the Social Security numbers across the country, and then he went to ask what cities are actually better at getting people out of poverty, and what cities are worse. That's how Charlotte showed up as dead last in the top fifty. Ninety-seven out of the hundred. Wow. Right? We're one of the worst cities to get people out of poverty. So they they developed this this site called Opportunity Insights, uh, and you can go on and. At the localized level, you can go on, you can feed in your census or your zip code, and it would tell you what are the greatest opportunities to serve or what are the greatest challenges in a particular neighborhood. So it could be teenage pregnancy, right? So you need to go in and figure out, what can I be, what skills do I have that could seed that opportunity to, to change it and pivot it? And that's a that's a way to kind of localize what's happening in your neighborhood so that you don't blindly go out and try to serve, which is awesome to people who just want to volunteer, so I'm not saying don't volunteer. I'm saying what we're trying to do is pivot people to pinpoint where is your skills and then what could you do better? So if you think about it in the business problem, right? you usually take your best people on your toughest challenge and you say, okay, solve that business problem. Well, Charlotte is 50 out of 50. Solve that business problem. <laughs> And how do we do it? By you being more conscious in your particular neighborhood around what is not happening well for all people. And, and to liberate the people who are actually challenged in your particular neighborhood. Right? So we live, uh, we live downtown. So at Ninth and Triumph, we talk to homeless people all the time and we always ask them like, what's, what's your biggest challenge? Cause you're a smart intellectual person. I'm not quite sure why you're homeless. <laughs> and so, what is it that blocks you from getting that job? And how can I help you get that job? How can I use my vessel to provide contacts for you to get that job that you think you want? Those are the kinds of things and we have to be courageous enough to ask people and then be willing to not have to um, know that we have we have all of the tools to, to answer, then love. <laughs> if love is the only sure. tool you got and you are really pure with people We can solve the problem, but you have to get proximate. You have to understand what's happening in your local neighborhood. So I always tell people, go to Opportunity Insights. It's a national site. If you're from Cleveland, you can see what's happening in Cleveland, right? Your own neighborhood. Odds are things that are happening in your old neighborhood are probably happening in your neighborhood.
0: What do you hear from them when you ask them, what happened, man? What's your biggest obstacle? Uh,
1: It's usually episodes. Um... You know, I lost this job, and then my wife left me, or my husband left me, or... Just hit rock bottom. You hit rock bottom, and then they just can't... It's hard to bounce back, and uh, I think we just have to be willing to... uh Last night, I'm talking to a guy, and I'm like, okay, what's the one thing you need? He said, a pack of cigarettes. All like, right, okay, brother. Like, Okay, so I just want to tell you, I don't really want to get you a pack of cigarettes, because I know it's not good for you else, but, brother, I'm going to walk in the store and get you a pack of cigarettes. You know why? Because you told me that's the one thing you needed. Now, don't ask me for that the next time you see me. And he asked for longs. I I don't know what longs are. (laughs) But it was a way for me to create a conversation with him. The next time I see him, he will not ask me for cigarettes. And I said, brother, I want you to think about what thing can I do to get you out of the current condition that you're in. I don't know what it is, but you need to be willing to tell me next time. And I trust that you'll, I'm not going to judge what you tell me, but do not ask me for a pack of cigarettes. And so I think when we ask people, right, we also have to be willing to listen. And that to me is the essence of belonging. I'm listening to you. That's like the highest form of hospitality, right? If you listen to people and then you pivot them, right? Okay, brother, well, let me aim you to this thing you think you want it and let me see if you actually do it.
0: Wow. I I don't even know how to follow that up. I mean, it's change agent. Yeah, it's great. And it also, you know, if you see someone that is homeless and they, they come up to you, this, this interaction can change somebody's life. And just by asking a question. Uh, and I love that. And it's not, you know, they might say, hey, I need some money. I need this. A lot of people just want to shut their door, you know, ignore it, walk right past it. Maybe, you know, ask them a question. Challenge them. See what's going on in their life. And it might change you just by their answer as well. It will change you. So this is the thing. We have to be willing to be uncomfortable
1: right, in that situation. Let me give you another practical way to think about this. I have two boys. And I asked them this. Uh, both of them, one went to uh, University of Alabama. Uh, the other one to University of Pittsburgh. So... We always ask them this one question because they have the value of having parents providing. They got a little money from their colleges, but they also had parents who provided for their college experience. So I said to them in their first year, I want you to go out and ask who is going to struggle next semester coming back because they don't have anybody, you know, to give them cover on their tuition. Because there's things my boys weren't worried about. Right? They kept thinking they had burden. Like brother, you got like ten <laughs> you got like ten pounds of burden. And I want you to talk to some people who have sixty pounds of burden. And each of them in their first interactions freshman year was twenty six twenty three, so it was different. But I think our Pittsburgh son, it was maybe seven out of ten. He said, Oh my God. Like I didn't know like people I had talked to who never told me that. And they were all hues and all colors. And I said to him, and he said, then they wanted to go deep and talk to me about, it. well, brother, when you acknowledge their pain. They want to sit and talk to you about that. And because you don't have the pain, there's a way for you to release some of their pain. Right? Release the burden. I think it was six out of ten for my Alabama son. So I think it was it's one of these things where we have to arm people to understand if we don't release people's pain, then let's let's be clear about what the number one problem is in this country. Men slash boys. Right? Let's think, let's think about this. Who is randomly killing people in the country? What's the profile? Men. Right? White men. white men are randomly killing people these big shootings who's killing each other in neighborhoods right black and brown men we're shooting at each other generally we're not really randomly shooting at people so i always tell people it doesn't really matter right that's a metaphor for when you use words like shithole nations who are you talking about (laughs) and what we got to realize is that's almost shooting at people so we got to disarm Words that could provide people to go backwards and we got to arm ourselves, uh, to, to tell people we love them and that we can be liberated by them. But particularly, it doesn't mean that I don't love sisters because I love women and I love my wife. <laughs> but, but, but men and boys, uh, are going to be what holds, uh, community back if we're not careful.
0: I love that, man. You, you make me proud to be a member of the YMCA, but really proud to be a member of this community. And, and I know we have a long way to go, specifically on that fifty fifty. But I think the more people have this conversation, the better we can be as a society. And hopefully, in the next five to ten years, we we change that. Right? We have people from different communities step outside of their comfort zone, go see what struggle is really about, and and also get your kids involved. I'm, I have a, a young son. I'm, I'm about to. I expect another child. I find out Woo! tomorrow if I'm having a boy or girl. So He's making um, an announcement yeah, here. making so I'm pretty excited about that. But you know, one thing that that I'm very aware of, we were just uh, at Second uh, Harvest Food Bank uh, doing a charity event as an entire company, and we love that day, and it means a lot to us. But it means a lot to us because that's who we are as a brand. That's who we are as an individual. We love to give back. So for our owner to be able to give us that opportunity, but not only just say, "Hey, we're going to go do this," like we enjoy that day. So what we were asking, like, how can you get your kids involved? And one of the cool things that they do every single day, they take a truck to a a, a school that um, needs help. And you can bring your small child who will enable. Basically, they will be able to interact with kids that don't have food and they will be able to give them food and produce and experience that. And they challenge you to start your kids young. And I went home that day and I was like, babe, we're doing this. When Graham is like three years old, we're going to get him involved and we're going to get him to go to areas and neighborhoods that are not. South Charlotte, you know, and I think it's really cool and, and you're kind of setting that platform. And so uh, I really appreciate, you know, you coming onto the podcast, telling us your story uh, before we do let you go. If people are interested in joining the Y or want to learn more about what you're specifically doing, how can they get in touch with you? How can they get in touch with the Y and what's your best advice on uh, on that?
1: So you can go to uh, ymcacharlotte.org and there's uh, all kinds of information that tells you what we do as an organization. In uh, any of those, you can also drop down and send emails to any one of us, and we will. We have no excuse. We all have phones right, these mobile phones, so we will should respond to you in less than twenty four hours, and we can direct you. I would say to people, even I'm on Twitter and uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram, and so I always like to tell my truth, not just to anybody. I just you know, hopefully, we'll get a picture at, at the end of the yeah, th- hour sure. or half hour, Love to. and we'll we'll talk about it. But I always like to tell people, I think. If we just increase transparency, uh, you can do it. Let me just say this one last thing that you're giving your son. right? You're giving your son empathy and curiosity. And that, those are so, so wonderful traits. When we are curious about something and you're arming him for curiosity and then arming him for empathy. And if he can be armed that way, that is the sense of arming that we're giving
0: people. I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us, Michael. Um, if you are listening uh, to this, please like, share, comment. Uh, definitely check out the YMCA. Uh, If you're not a member, go join. Um, If you want to learn more about it, just walk into a YMCA, even if you're not a member. You know, it's an organization that is a family, is it a community? And if you want to get involved, the YMCA have the people there to take care of you. Uh, And it seems like The more and more I get to know people in the YMCA, you guys have people that stay there for a really long time. It seems like an amazing organization that gives you the platform to support the community, which is what uh, you're all about. And so thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. We appreciate it. And uh, until next time, go check out the YMCA. Thank you for joining us on the Brand Builders Podcast. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.